Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Amy Ryan on her new film, Lost Girls. Plus, we take stock of our new world. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, wow, our title is uh, is more apropos than ever. This, of course, is uh, our first show since uh, everybody's lives changed in significantly shitty ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, that happened. This is happening. We're living in a, uh, in a, in a strange uh, world, I think, and no one really could have anticipated this was going to happen as quickly as it did. But um, yeah, the coronavirus has hit. It's hit in a bad way. It's everywhere. And um, we're just trying to survive now. We're just trying to live, you know, somewhat normal lives and be happy and be healthy and still connect with people as much as we can, even if we're isolated physically from each other. Um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, been a, it's been as traumatic for me as it probably has been for you and your family. Thankfully, no one in my, in my immediate orbit is, is ill or, or sick. Um, but, I mean, the numbers don't lie. This is going to get worse before it gets better. We all know that. Uh, if you read the data, um, it's, uh, it's sobering. And it makes my little show and all of entertainment feel a little bit insignificant um, when you get right down to it. That being said, I don't know about you, but I feel like I need a, uh, an outlet, a way to turn off the noise and turn on some pleasant noise, <laughs> some happier noise, um, because uh, otherwise I think I would go crazy. So I'm soldiering on with happy, sad, confused, and you're welcome to join me. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a makeshift happy, sad, confused for the time being. I'm recording this in my apartment in New York City. I'm, I'm you know, basically shutting like everybody else, anyone that's intelligent at least, that's really like paying attention to what the scientists and the doctors are saying, which is to just stay inside if at all possible. Um, so I'm, that, that's what, what I'm doing. I have the, I have some new equipment that I ordered. I am recording this in my, in my bedroom, in my apartment. Hopefully it sounds all right. It might not sound as great as, as always, but then again, guys, you guys always complained about the sound, sound quality and happy, sad, confused. So I figure I'm probably that, not that much worse than it always was. Right? Right? Um, so the somewhat good news in all this madness, uh, it's so silly to even call this good news, but whatever. Um, I actually taped a few interviews before this uh, insanity all uh, happened. Um, so we have a few banked Happy Sad Confused interviews, and I'm going to roll those out in the next couple weeks. Um, and beyond that, you know, I have been thinking. I have been thinking about sort of how to continue this podcast even in this weird new world. Um, and that's really my intention. I really want to continue to do it. Um, it might have a slightly different form format. Um, safe to say I probably won't be like in physical proximity with my guests, but maybe we'll be doing phone interviews. I'm exploring that um, because like I said, I think 
this podcast is, is a respite for me. And I know if you listen to this, you probably enjoy listen to pod, listening to podcasts like this. And these are uh, escapes in a way. And I can't listen to the news 24-7. So <laughs> I do need to talk about movies and TV and entertainment uh, because that's what fuels my mind and spirit often. So uh, today's uh, interview, today's conversation was taped uh, way before uh, this all happened. There might be a reference or two to the coronavirus. I don't even remember. Uh, but if it is a reference, it's, it's so, it was so early in the, in the onset that like it's, it's not even relevant. But that being said, this was a lovely chat with an actress that I have uh, so much admiration for. Amy Ryan uh, is a wonderful uh, character actor. I think she'd take pride in that. She's a character actor. Not only that, she's a New York character actor. She's a born and bred New Yorker. And if you listen to Happy Second Views, you know what that means to me. Um, she's currently starring in uh, a pretty, I mean, <laughs> I wish I could say, hey, we got a light comedy to talk about this week. No, we don't, not really. We have uh, Lost Girls, which is a, a pretty dark, sobering tale, uh, a true life tale of um, of these women that were murdered um, on Long Island and were really not given their due. They were marginalized and labeled uh, by their work and by the, by the, by their profession um, and not given their humanity in this, uh, in this really sad story. That being said, there is a, a lot of heart and humanity in the story. The, uh, Amy Ryan plays the mom of one of these missing women um, and she really, it's, it's a great showcase for her. I mean, it's, it's, it's staggering to look at Amy Ryan's filmography and realize she really hasn't been the lead. I think she was a lead in a film a couple years back and this is like virtually her second, second leading performance. And it's, it's a, it's a great, uh, a great role for her and she's excellent in it. She of course came to prominence, uh, in Gone Baby Gone. She was Oscar nominated for that film, but she's also been a staple of New York theater. Um, has uh, been Tony nominated and just uh, is always amazing on stage. She was a friend and collaborator with Philip Seymour Hoffman. We talk about him. She's just got a, a good head on her shoulders and is one of our finest actors. So it was a real pleasure to get to know her and have her into uh, the office, which I don't know if I'll be in the office anytime soon. I think I'm going to be recording these in my apartment. A little different. I don't. I don't have all. I have less movie posters in my home than I had in my my office at work. I might need to redecorate. Um, Anyway, I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy. That's the most important thing. Um, you know, this, like I said, this, this stuff pales in comparison to the real world, world stuff. But that being said, I know watching movies and TV and reading in the last uh, week has meant a lot to me. So I hope the next 45 plus minutes with Amy Ryan provides the same kind of relief for you and that the future episodes of Happy, Sad, Confused, because we will not, we will not go down. We are continuing. Um, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Amy Ryan. Oh, wait, I should say Lost Girls. You want, to, you want to know where to see Lost Girls, probably. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. So don't worry about going to the movies because you probably can't anyway. It's on Netflix. It's at home in the safety of your own home. You can watch the movie right now. Anyway, here's my chat with Amy. Um, thank you for stopping by the office today. Thank you for having me. Um, so, well, first, just congratulations. I mean, I'm such a fan of your work, and this is it's 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 a good opportunity to talk to you because this is, you know, even on the resume, this is probably one of the more exceptional pieces of material I think you've been associated with. Lost Girls is the film. Thank you. Um, I got a chance to see it at Sundance, and it really it really stood out. Oh, good. Thanks. Had you seen it before then? Had, what was your? Um, 
way. I, yeah, I saw it right before we went to Sundance, a, a screening, but seeing it with a group of people, I was really struck at the end that at the Q&A, they were right onto the case. Like yeah. usually Sundance is like, what was your budget? And what, right. what color themes did you work with? <laughs> you know, and right away they wanted to know about the case. And yeah. that was encouraging to us all. So it's, um, it's funny because it's like a film that also, like you're one of those actors that like, you know, without pulling too much smoke, like whenever you're in a, in a blow project, it, blow uh, it. Blow, let's, let's just get it out of the way. No, but you, no. you always, you always deliver whether the project oh. itself is delivering. Like I can count on Amy Ryan to, go, oh, to take care of her side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, Thank you. and I would actually say that this is a film kind of like with a lot of those people. Oh yeah. We've got it. It's, it's like stock full of people who yeah. clean up their street. Yeah. Exactly. Whether it's yeah. like Bill Camp or, 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 uh, or Kevin, Kevin Corrigan or the younger performers, whether it's Lil Kirk or now Thomason. Sure. Thomas and McKenzie, Gabriel Byrne. They all are just sort of like the, that person that you always kind of like, Oh yeah, that person knows how to deliver. So did that come, you should take all the credit. I feel like since you're number one on the call sh- sheet mm-hmm. this time, does it come from you? Does it come from a, from Liz's good taste? I think it's Liz's good taste. Yeah. yeah. And then also I think there's a, Liz is good taste, but there's when you shoot a film in New York, chances are you're going to have a bunch of actors who came up in the theater, and we're disciplined. You know, we we know how to um, support a script and not yeah. ego and some other outside drama. Yeah, you know, bring that to work. You know, a Reed Bernie, like yes. incredible, like incredible cast. It's funny to see certain actors, and you we'll get into this uh, in respect to your career, but like when. The, the larger world discovers them. It's like, because, you know, this, the, that's the narrative certainly around your career we'll get to, but like, I think of someone like Bill, like Bill Camp. Oh yeah. I feel like- We until, all knew. We were all just waiting exactly. for everybody else to f- find him. Until but, then, five years ago, yeah. and then he was in like he's everything. He's in every <laughs> movie. I know, I know. Thank God. He's, yeah. He's such a, a phenomenal talent. And can kind of do anything. Yeah. So, so this one, um, I'm a New Yorker, obviously, like yourself, so- Sadly, this is a story that I, I do remember. Mm. This uh, Long Island serial killer. Um, I don't. Want, I didn't remember everything though. Certainly, and I didn't remember sort of where it was left. And sadly, without ruining anything, it's still out there. It's still an unsolved mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about sort of like you have some interesting research materials you can go back to in this one. You we can, had so much. Yeah. So as as you say, I I too am a New Yorker. I remember this and the front page in the news. But I remember more the salacious details like Craigslist and same like what our film fights against is like prostitute, hooker, all these words. The buzzwords. Yeah. yeah. um, But uh, in terms of reference material in preparing for the film, we had Robert Coker's brilliant book, which each chapter is devoted to uh, one of the victims and their family. So there's all this backstory information. Um, and uh, as well as we had, you know, there's a couple of documentaries on the subject. So there was footage of um, Mary Gilbert, the woman I play. Right. Uh, so we had we had quite we had quite a lot. What about the news reports themselves? Because I mean, a lot of the narrative about this too is, um, you know, the the title has a couple different meanings. I think like these these were these were girls that that were not identified in any meaningful way by the media. They were the unnamed prostitutes, sex workers, right. hookers, et cetera, right. that were just dehumanized. Yeah, and, and, I, and the way that a media can kind of like go to the salacious and, 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 and skip the, the, huma- the humanity, humanity, right? 
Well, you know, this is 10 years ago. And I think with like with anything, if you're reading a book, like when your attention is focused in onto something. Yeah. And for me, it was this script at the time. It's still in news media. People are, you know, they're still referred to, especially women, especially people of a lower economic class, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my character says this, like, oh, if she were, you know, rich and white and blonde, you know, it would be a very different story. I mean, yeah. but, um, but yeah, something about uh, if you're poor and if you uh, maybe are not college educated, you're, you're a bit dis- disposable, you know. And, um, but that's Mary Gilbert, the character. She, she starts to change that narrative. Yeah, she's kind of an unlikely protagonist for this kind of a film like uh, one thing I appreciate about the movie is like in the first 10 minutes I feel like I, I, oh, I've seen this I know what, I know what this is going to be right yeah right and it's kind of familiar in kind of like a tawdry kind of way like okay like I mean I, I enjoy this kind of a story mm-hmm. and I know where it's going to go and then it becomes something completely different and it has a different kind of rewards it doesn't yeah. have the reward of kind of like the gumshoe mom finding the the bad guy yeah. but it has something almost a little more special and elusive and, yeah. and, and hard to pinpoint. Well, I think two things, because it doesn't follow the traditional, I'll just say kind of like a law and order formula where sure. we're following the case and we're following like who's the bad guy going to be and yeah. what does all this evidence add up to, but it makes a hard right and starts following the women of the story. Yeah. And then it becomes, I, I feel like a bit subversive, like it starts working on you, like their outrage starts to become your outrage. That, right. that this really happened? I can't, I can't believe they were treated this way. Yes. I can't believe they still, you know haven't solved this. I can't believe they lost evidence. Like it's shocking. Well, and it puts you in the shoes of Mary and the, and these women. I mean, whether like you have class differences or not, we're all mothers, daughters, sons, fathers. We yeah. all like would feel the same feelings she would feel in this horrendous situation and have that outrage. If a police officer said to you, matter of fact, like, Oh yeah, we, we don't have that evidence anymore. Oh it's God. almost more than like the human brain can take. That's right. Yeah. And Mary too, like she's not, as you say, like she's not this traditional gumshoe character or, you know, she, she's not polished and right. she's flawed and she's made maybe choices that she wished she hadn't in her life yeah. and raising her children. But she is a woman in like constant forward motion and, and yeah. how, how can I correct the mistakes I've made and how can I make sure they don't happen again? And sure. Uh, she's not crippled by that. It's uh, it's directed by Liz Garbus, who's a very yeah. accomplished filmmaker for documentaries up until now. Um, and I know a lot's been made of, of the fact that there's a female filmmaker behind this and it's a largely uh, female-led ensemble. Is that something that, I mean, it has to occur to you in some respects as you're doing it, but is that something that more uh, becomes a narrative after the fact in interviews like this? Or is it noticeable that like, oh, there's a different energy to this production because of the leader and because of the principles in front of the camera? It's certainly more talked about in the post setting, but in the actual moment, (laughs) there's a lot of, um, first of all, it's very natural. You know, it felt great. Liz is smart. She did her homework. She she knew the story she wanted to tell. She had um, and assembled a phenomenal team to help support that vision that she had. Uh, for us, I like to talk myself with like Miriam Shore and Anna Reader and Lola. We don't get to hang out with each other. I've known Miriam for 30 years or, you know, like this is, you know, the, well, it's the second time we work together, but you, why is this so rare? Like, yeah. you know, we're just, just 
savoring every moment and working with a female director i i think it i think it was it's not to say like a certain number of men couldn't have done this made this film um but it, i feel like it it did help having um a female director and a female point of view and to have it you know told with a large female ensemble yeah. what that is it's half something in the ether and half, I don't know, uh, where a lot of us are mothers ourselves. We bring our own, you know, uh, passion to that and our own, you know, set of fears. And, right. Um, I don't know, we're good collaborators, women. A, a lot's been made also, I've noticed, like, in the press and people like me, like, that up until a couple years ago, you'd really never led a film before. And this yeah. is your second in a few years. Is that something that bothers you in some way? I mean, you've had a remarkable career and what, and when you extend it to the theater, obviously there have been a significant amount of leading performances mm. there. Is that something that you were I don't aware of? Or? I don't stamp my feet around the house like, well, it's not fair, you know. <laughs> want to be still have the like, lead. I still have wonderful opportunities, but I can't help and, and not begrudging them, like male friends of mine who I've come up with who maybe have been in the same career development trajectory as me, like, oh, you're nominated for an Oscar now, but yet, if I look back, you've done 30 films. Your IMDb's filled up really fast. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned like someone like Bill Camp, another great actor, Michael Stuhlbarg, yeah. these great supporting actors. Bill Camp this year, Michael Stuhlbarg last year, they're in three out of the five nominated yes. films in these amazing supporting roles. And y good on them. Your buddy Michael Shannon, yeah, my spirit yeah. animal here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one. Like, you know, um, and, the, and again, they're phenomenal. They work hard. They deserve it. But, but they're so able to parlay that into opportunities that are a little more front and center. Well, Miriam Shore should be in three nominated films this year. Yes. As should I. As should Lola Kirk. Yes. As should, you know, you should be like, oh, there's that guy again. Oh, there's, oh, there she is again. There she is again. So it's just in terms of the written material and the stories being told. And, you know, Lost Girls, that's why it felt like something new and fresh. Because it, it is. Yeah. It was that there could be more than one woman on this, in this story. And she's not the, she's not the wife. She's not the, you know. Yeah. She's not the, the girlfriend. She's not the murder victim. Only, you know, so yeah. um, when we see that, it's very real for us yeah. actresses. And, um, you know, we just have to work harder at finding the material. Are you attuned to, I mean, you, you have played, I mean, you look at the IMDb, you've played a lot of wives and mm -hmm. moms. And yeah. like a lot of them, some are defined by that, some aren't defined by that. I guess the challenge then is like, like oh, that's a huge part of, a woman or a man's life is their family life. But at the same mm. time, you don't want to be, you know, eight out of 10 of those roles. You don't want to be propping up someone else. That's right. And it, it's okay to be a wife and be a mother, um, in film. It, what you don't want to be is, and then what happened, honey? Yes. And then tell me what happened. <laughs> yes. You don't say. Yes. So like, you know, I played a wife and a mother in win-win, but she was a very vocal center character. Right. So I'm not going to write off saying like, I won't, you know, there's some women who won't, won't play wives at all. Like they have a, you know, a strict rule about it, but um, I'm going to do it like case by case. Like look, Mary Gilbert is a mother. Yeah. Am I not going to play that mother role? Right. <laughs> That's the mother of all the roles, right. you <laughs> right. know? No, totally. Totally. So, um, you know, but, um, but yeah. Do you feel a responsibility when you're number one on the call sheet? I've talked to a lot of actors mm. about sort of like, 
there's a top-down kind of vibe yeah, on a I, set. Well, I have seen it in play by being number two. I just call myself number two. <laughs> <laughs> number one in my heart, always. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Ryan is a number two. Oh, my God. Uh, but, no, I have seen it... Uh, you know, uh, Steve Carell is a great example of number one on the call sheet and yeah. the tone is set because he's such a gracious, yeah. decent human being and no one would dare step out of line. And not that that group would anyway. That was a pretty great sure. ensemble uh, in the office. But um, I found myself being very protective of the crew. Like, that's where I started using it. Like, you know, maybe they they were the messenger, like the PA team, and they'd get in trouble. So I, I started, then I changed my language. It's like, Tell them Amy asked, so it was on me. Mm-hmm. How much longer till the scene is ready, till the camera's like, you know, whatever right. it was. So I always framed it by myself and um, you know, tried to give them lots of food and candy. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, just <laughs> feed them. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. that's the way. Free yeah. shit and food. Yeah. This is the, the secret to anybody's heart yeah. I've found in my, my years that's on this right. planet. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, is, without naming names, is there a worst example of someone that's like the top down set the wrong vibe oh michael shannon oh you said no names oh that's so embarrassing <laughs> oh, no, no i want it now <laughs> no. michael is one of the scariest human beings on the planet to many i know his secrets as, <laughs> as do you that's his stick <laughs> exactly one of, i've said this before one of my favorite things when i used to, i used to do a lot more junket kind of things yeah. and um is, was watch other journalists like leave a room that had just interviewed Michael Shannon because he's one of those like actors that you know you know a lot of actors like especially big movie stars they go out of their way to ingratiate and like make someone feel mm-hmm. like comfortable I feel like Michael relishes that he can scare the shit out of somebody mm-hmm. <laughs> just mm-hmm. from his, his aura uh, and just to see yeah, every yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> oh, you gonna copy me <laughs> no he's 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 uh he's he's a big he's the best he's a big heart. Yeah. Um, it's okay. So what we named him, he's the worst of them. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So talk to me a little bit. So uh, jumping around a little bit, mm. obviously people talk about gone baby gone as a huge shift in your career. We're, in retrospect, when you look back, um, like where were you at that point in your career? You'd obviously were extremely successful, especially on the stage, Tony nominated probably twice by then, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, were you dissatisfied with your career? Did you feel like you were missing something? Did you feel uh, like the ship had sailed on a film and TV career? No, I didn't feel like a ship had sailed. Certainly wanted more. I feel like a turning point before Gone Baby Gone was Capote. It was a small part, but it was a, a great part in a beautiful film. And the turning point for me there was that people didn't recognize me. Right. And I... I thought, oh, I, I suddenly that something dropped and clicked in my brain there about hiding away and right. being these other people. I mean, I always had that along the way, but that that was kind of successful that that outing for that reason. And um, no, I mean, Gone Baby Gone was, uh, I, you know, I I was in L.A. I just started working with my agent. It was in, you know, new. We were newly paired, and. I thought I'll go to LA for pilot season. I really didn't want to, but I thought I should show that I was, you know, being a good sport. Going to play the game a little bit at least. Yeah, yeah. And the first audition, the first script he sent me wasn't a TV script. It was was Gone Baby Gone. And um, Ben, the casting director, was reluctant to see me because there was already a choice that they were about to make. And, but my agent 
pushed me in that door, which is thank God he did. So, were they go with again without naming names? Were they going with a name? Like, cause, like no, because yeah. Ben always wanted an unknown. Got it. Um, it's kind of funny, like, yeah, but like you say, you know, he's like he mentioned to a, a friend, a Victor Garber, who's a close family uh -huh. friend of theirs, and he said, "Oh, I found this great unknown Amy Ryan." He's like, "Oh, we've known Amy for years in New York, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the theater." Welcome community, to the theater you know? community. <laughs> but uh, but no, I certainly know what he meant. Like sure. I am unknown in film, and um, so he he was always looking for someone. Well, that's why who I wasn't it, famous, and I, that, so that served me well. Well, as I recall, and you remember that time, I'm sure very well too. I think that is what served you so well is like, not only were you so great in that film and kind of like seemingly came out of nowhere to many of us, but he also cast you like you had what, Jill Quigg, I think like literally oh, yeah. by your side, yeah. who was not a professional actor was of that world. And it was yeah. seamless. It was like, who's the actor? Who's not? Oh, cool. Yeah. Jill, that was an amazing story. Cause so like, <laughs> um, you know, it was really important to Ben to get Boston right yeah. and, and the sound right of that world. And he wanted to hire a bunch of non-actors and um, this this one act, uh, this one person who came in was going to play my friend. Uh, anyway, the producers, they were unsure. And he said, okay, well, let me use this person and if she doesn't show up we have this other person, Jill Quigg, and the first person, sure enough, didn't show up. Wow. <laughs> you know? So, Jill was there. First rule of acting, just show up. Yeah. Jill, <laughs> Jill, Jill, the way um, Ben met Jill is she walked right onto set one day to the little tent video yeah, village yeah. thing and just leaned on the back of his chair and, you know, she's like, what are you making a movie? I want to be in this fucking movie. You know, like, and he, you know, he's just like, his eyes lit up. He was like, I can't believe it. So when you're an so, actor in those scenes with her, was that like, was that intimidating or was that like, oh, this is, this gives me almost like something to like aspire it to. It was amazing. Like, it was amazing to have, you know, was it live? Is it memorized? <laughs> like, you know, like exactly. she, she was in and of that world yeah. and so generous with me and um you know i just watched her like a hawk and listened to her like a, you know yeah i i, I rewatched what it. listens well hawks see well what listens well i don't i'm not i'm not a zoologist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm barely a po podcaster <laughs> um i rewatched it for the first time in many years since oh, i took right. the opportunity and it's obviously it holds up it's such a great piece of work from so many and yeah, there's the, the, I mean, what do you remember, like, the, that great sequence, like, um, Ed Harris is in your face, and then you give it back to Amy Madigan, no less, on the other side of the room. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a lot of intense there's acting. A, there's a lot of, like, amazing actors <laughs> Ed, coming at me. Yeah, Ed, Ed was in here recently for To Kill Mockingbird, oh. he's, like... I mean, I don't intimidate easily. He's an intimidating guy. He sure is. Yeah. He's a super nice guy, but, like, he you is. have to be on your toes. Yes. Like, you know... I feel like it is that, like in, in a video game or something. Like you've advanced to the next level. Totally, I'm you're on now, the Ed Harris now, level. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you're, now you're at the, you know, bonus Joe Quig like, level. Swords, swords <laughs> <laughs> coming at you. Exactly. You better catch them. But I had, you know, that's where where Ben and I were uh, really in tandem with our thoughts. So um, Ben would give me a note, but he would give it in private, and you know, so Ed didn't know what we were gonna do next yeah. and the I mean the amazing thing with that character is you could do anything and it was going to be within her wheelhouse of behavior yeah, she had no filter she was no <laughs> so you know we threw a couple of things at Ed and both of us Ben and I both like shaking in our boots like how does this go over but you know 
we could see that like twinkle in Ed's eye and he's like responding. Oh wow. That's must feel magical. Twice as powerfully back. You know what I mean? Like it was yeah, it was cool. Because I will say, Ed, the first day uh, we did a table read up in Boston and I was of course I was nervous. You know, I knew it was this was a like a phenomenal opportunity in this role and and he he just said he goes, That's some part you got there. Which is, you know, <laughs> it's a little challenge too, yeah, basically, right? Yeah. Like, are you He's actually like, gonna? I don't know, who is this? Like, I don't know who this. Like, girl who do you is. know? How did you get this? <laughs> do you belong uh, in my I table? Said, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, like, but, but he was he was phenomenal to work with. Um, so as I said, you're a New Yorker. Not only are you a New Yorker, you're a born and bred New Yorker, like myself. Where uh, are you well, born I, and I, bred? I, 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 from the mean streets of the Upper West Side. Oh, I always okay. like to say. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you're from Queens. Mm-hmm. My, my students are a little meaner. Okay. You got a little more, <laughs> little more cred than me. <laughs> so were you, was the family, did they expose you to theater growing up? What, were you, like, what, what was your, what were your pop culture yeah. reference points? What, what were you obsessed with as a kid? Well, we came into the theater when we could afford it. Sure. We'd go to the KTS booth, mm-hmm. which was always like such a treat. Um, my pop culture—I mean, as a like as a young kid, I was obsessed with the Muppet Show, sure. Johnny Carson, <laughs> Carol Burnett. There's a good Jim Henson exhibit I just went to over the weekend at the Museum of the Moving Image back mm-hmm. in Queens. By the way, my mother-in-law founded that museum. I'm going to name drop. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I saw that exhibit. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, but I, you know, I, I, a lot of, a lot of TV in my household. I used to watch, I don't know if it was back to back, but I have this memory of watching the odd couple reruns. Yeah. I shared a room with my sister. We'd watch that. And then next up, if this is my memory's right, Prisoners of Cell Block H. Oh, I never saw that. Which was this British, like, um, you know, soap opera about... A women's prison. (laughs) Naturally. (laughs) So like, I feel like that spanned like then my love for like Mike Lee films too. You know, Neil Simon. Yeah, basically all in one. All in one. Summed up in one. Yeah, the woman that can do a Drake Doremus film and Central Intelligence in the same year. That's the woman I want to talk (laughs) to, Amy. My training. There it is. So um, you end up at what's now become known as like the fame school. But not only were you at the fame school, but you were there by my math, like right after fame came out. Like, so was it still, yeah. was it still buzzing? Was LaGuardia still like, this is the school where people dance on the tabletops? Well, like, I was in the old building. So right. they filmed the movie across the street at the church and they used some of, you know, the exterior location. Um, so we were very aware of the film. Sure. Uh, I, I it, with like a big sense of pride, we would, like someone was like, "Oh, fame!" Like the TV show, like no, like the film. <laughs> you know, we would, like make sure they knew. Yeah, and it was. I feel like that that film was really accurate. Like really? an experience there. Now, when we moved and joined forces with music and art, it became Laguardia. It just became like a larger. You went from a, this small conservatory feeling yeah. with you know really few students to a larger kind of high school setting and going right. through a metal detector and you know right. so a little bit of that did many in your class stick with it by my math i saw that did jennifer aniston cross paths with you she's a year younger than me yeah we were there at the same time did you know each other at the oh, time yeah. that's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. yeah joe jen we called her <laughs> That's her nickname. In the alternate uh, life, you could have been the lead on Friends. <laughs> well, <laughs> what she, a life. she would have been. <laughs> no, I saw she, that's hers. Gone but, Baby Gone with Jennifer uh, Aniston, yeah, Friends oh, yeah. with Amy Ryan. This is a different world yeah. I'd be curious to watch. My uh, Seth Gilliam, who oh, yeah. is my co-star from The Wire, or I'm his co-star, I should say. He's, uh, <laughs> he, um, 
he and I were classmates. Got it. Yeah, but I'd say, you know, we had about 40 kids in the drama department, and I feel like six or seven, I pursued it. But that was kind of the beauty of the school. Like, you become a senior or, you know, you're junior, you're like, this isn't for me. So a lot of kids went on to universities and studied English or maths and sciences and... The, the rest of us boneheads can't. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that couldn't figure out anything else to do with them. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try this acting thing. Did uh, you did you find work immediately? How what was the, what were the first couple of years like? Uh, I I was really fortunate. Like a month out of high school, I was enrolled in NYU, and I didn't I I didn't make it there because I <laughs> I did a Neil Simon play um, about a month out of high school. So just kind of started working mostly in theater out of school. Did. Was theater from the start something that felt like, you know, to use a cliche, felt like home to you? I mean, it's obviously been a home for you. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I mean, ooh, I, I, you know, theater, when it's great, there's nothing better. When it sucks, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> there's nothing. I mean, like, Meaning like when you know. It is such a slow death. <laughs> I mean, you have to repeat eight times a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, we have three yeah. more months of this. Yeah, yeah. Like, can't the reviews be worse? Can't they yeah. close us early? <laughs> no. It's, but it, it is, it is a, a phenomenal experience to share with a group of strangers in the dark yeah. and help navigate through some story that maybe they haven't thought of themselves or hadn't right. pinpointed some emotion and, you know, we're going to do that for them. Um, I was looking back and obviously I know that, you know, you knew Philip Seymour Hoffman quite well through a number of collaborations, but maybe this is wrong, but I was looking at the math. Was the first time you guys crossed paths in in these two one acts that were together? This was, Mm. um, author's voice and imagining Brad or did you? That's right. Yeah. Um, there were two one acts with this theater company called the drama department. I was in a Peter Hedges play and he was in a Richard Greenberg play. Um, but we shared a basement dwelling dressing room separated by a thin cloth, you know, um, <laughs> the glamour of theater. Yeah, I think Phil's character was a quadriplegic, which wow. of course, and he, he did beautifully. Of course. And, um, <laughs> but, oh, but it was, um, yeah, do you remember first impressions of him? Was he clearly like, even then, like a preternaturally talented individual? Oh, yeah, yeah. You knew, I mean, the first time I met, I met Phil in L.A. at that was a funny restaurant, Ed DeBevix or something, like with a group of friends, and he was a friend of a friend. And you just knew, even in, I feel like you can tell who's a good actor even before you see their work. And yeah. even in that weird setting, like all of us around some large table and people eating other people's french fries or the, or the waiters <laughs> eat your french fries or something weird that way. But, but you could just tell there's something other about this creature and... And, um, and then I had this experience with, um, this, I have this dear friend and filmmaker, Shefer Campbell, who Mike Shannon and Ewan Bremner and myself did a film of hers called Marvelous. And Shefer is just a doer. She just, she ended up getting a bunch of uh, friends in a room and just a bunch of artists that were scientists, dancers, actors, writers, and we all went because we love her and we'll do anything she asks, but we got in this room and... She just got us talking. We'd do these little kind of strange improvs. But in that group was Phil Hoffman and Samantha Morton and a few other, like, really exciting artists. Um, and we just, you know, Phil was already Phil then, but yeah. it, you know, 
he was he was other, as was Samantha Morton. Like, sure. They're other. They're just like they were fearless. They yeah. both like they right? could yeah they could, they could give a fuck. You right. know what I mean? Like, like this is my take. Like, yeah, take it like, or leave it. Like yeah, <laughs> it was really empowering to be in their presence. They did not apologize for not knowing or knowing or you know. It was big. It was choices. Like they were always making like not necessarily the obvious choices either. And Samantha yeah. still does, obviously. Yeah. I mean, like. Yeah, you obviously knew him and had a friendship, so it's a different perspective. But like, even you know, eyes of like a fan. Like, I mean, I, I just tweeted this the other day. Like, I randomly, like once a month, invariably, it flashes through my brain. Like, like I, I miss Philip Seymour Hoffman. I know. Like, I can't I, believe we've yeah. seen our last Philip Seymour Hoffman performance. Yeah. It's just like we were robbed. It's hard for me to talk about him in the past I'm tense. Sure. Like, I have to re- remind myself. I'm like, I still expect I'm going to see him around the neighborhood. It's but, crazy. And yeah. you, and then you, I, Jack goes booting, by the way. Something people should yeah. look up to is the only film he ever directed that you were, yeah. you were great in. Um, so in the years prior to Gone Baby Gone, you know, I alluded to this, like you have, you're having a very successful theater career. Um, was there a common denominator in the kinds of, like, what was the body of work you were seeking to craft for yourself then? Like, in what, theater? Yeah. Well, there's only, in terms of classic plays, there's only two roles I ever really thought, I, you know, that I, I said I wanted to play, and luck and coincidence happened that those came my way. Uh, one was Uncle Vanya and the other Streetcar Named Desire. But right. in terms of like playing the classics, like I, I wasn't that interested in it. I was more interested in new writers. And um, I think a turning point for me in theater also was um, an Edward P- Bond play called Save that I did with Theater for New Audience. Okay. It was just this uh, phenomenal play and like insane role. But um, it, it required more. It, it was a darker level. Um, and that felt really good to go through <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> now we're getting to the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who were the actors that like you were playing opposite that kind of opened your mind a little bit? I mean, I like, I think of In like theater. Yeah, like what I said, Uncle Vanya. You had like Derek Jacobi. Oh who, like, yeah, I mean, and Laura Linney. Sure. Derek Jacobi. I mean Patricia Clarkson and in uh, actually Patricia Clarkson and I met in an Arthur Miller play up at Williamstown called The Ride Down Mount Morgan. And I remember it was, that play. Yes. Know, it was a on yeah. a break between scenes. I I said to her, I said, "Did you ever want to play Blanche?" This <laughs> light bulb went off. She's like, "Yeah." It's like because I really want to play Stella, and we you know, tried to get that play mounted for many years, um, but the rights were always tied up in, right. in England, some production, but we finally, you know, we, we stuck to it, and it was about eight years later, we we uh, were able to do a production of it down in um, Washington at the Kennedy Center. Did, speaking back at the ride down Mount Morgan, did you ever, did you collaborate with Arthur Miller? Did you know? He, you, he was, yeah. He, he was he there. Was, yeah, he would come every day for rehearsal. <laughs> hey, this is just a giant gorgeous self like he's very quiet and I would sit with him and of course you know I feel like you your talent you would be able to draw out everything we want to know about him I was too intimidated by that (laughs) so I would just say how was your drive (laughs) wait for the eloquence to come out but he would he would say well I was coming over the mountain and the sun was hitting the tree and you're like oh my god Dr. Miller describing a road (laughs) you know like um but he yeah he was and then yeah anyway he he is it's sometimes when you know you're in the presence of someone that great you know, it takes a while to catch your breath and yeah. meet the person and not the 
giant figure that we know them to be. Well, and someone like you who like obviously is steeped in the stuff and like this is your life. It's like yeah. you can't it's, that's like I can't think of another person that would be more surreal to just not only meet but collaborate with at yeah. that point in his life. And then like I mean I think in a similar vein on the, on the film side you got to know I presumably uh, Cindy Lumet. Yes. A bit. You yeah. were on that that TV series which I do remember oh, 100, 100 Center Street. Street yeah. With Alan Arkin. Yeah. yeah, Alan Arkin, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good cast for a series that sadly very few people probably remember at this point. Yeah. Um but then Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, mm-hmm. which I think was his last film. That's right. It? Yeah. That's a pretty amazing film to go out on yeah yeah it is he in that the original script there were two friends and it was sydney's idea to change it to brothers and yeah. um just thought obviously that would be much more devastating and i think at the time like sydney <laughs> i think there was like trouble that maybe he wasn't going to get uh the insurance you know or the bond whatever right. it's, and then um, right. because they're like oh he's 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 so He's old. Right. He's 83 at the time. It's like Sydney came in under time and under budget. Of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. It's like I remember that yeah. it was like on uh, Altman's last film, right? Prairie Home Companion. P.T. Anderson came in as like the like backup director. And he, Altman was fine, but they just yeah. needed like a guy on set. Yeah, you did not need to worry about Sydney Lumet. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Okay, so, so I know we've gone back and forth, but so then post Gone Baby Gone, um, you you experience all this this adulation. You get the Oscar nomination. You know, I talk to a lot of actors that are like, you know, like it was fun, like that was a fun ride, but it didn't change my life. In your case, it feels like it probably did change your it life. Changed my career for sure. sure. I mean, did it change my life? No. After the Oscars, I came home and I was still doing my laundry down on Hudson <laughs> Street, like trying to get enough quarter. Not that I, you know, what I mean? like sure. find the machine. Or like, um, but no, it definitely changed my career. And uh, and I remember before the Oscars, um, Ben Affleck wrote me this amazing email that kind of centered me on the whole thing because it's a very out of body experience. You're like you're half looking at it through the lens of yourself as a kid on the couch when you're little, like watching the Oscars, yeah. and and then to be there, you know, seeing heroes or seeing your heroes misbehave or you know any of the any of the stories you could tell. Um, but he he just said he's you know. You've already won. Yeah. You know, people, people are going to want to work with you, and they're going to be good people. So. And that's good. That's and the like, greatest it's all reward. about like, go that's back like, to the work. Yes. You know, it's not the red carpet, and it's not the party, yeah. and the da da. But um, if, if I've gotten to know you a little bit today, I know it is about the red carpets and the glitz and the glamour. <laughs> that's what you crave. You could give a damn about solid material <laughs> well, and directors. Well, that my exercise regime, <laughs> my routine. I want to you know share with everybody. Right. And, Your and new fragrance you're going to sell. Yeah. You want to be a brand. And I want more you to see actor. the interior of my house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want you to know what sheets I've chosen. <laughs> so have you have you lived here basically solidly your entire life beyond mm-hmm. you've yeah. never had to do the LA thing too much. Never with more than one suitcase. That's congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, so yeah, for work, I mean, in doing theater, I did play in London. I was there for four months, but right. I, I can't really say that was my home, but right. I would travel for work, but no, New York is always home. Yeah. Do you take a pride in that? Is like, I mean, you are like, you know, if I think if I made a list of like New York actors today, yeah, you're on that list. Oh, well, thank you. Because I had a list growing up. And my list was Phil and Laura Linney and Patty Clarkson. Yeah. And I, I would see that 
and Julia Moore, like seeing these people make these, have these beautiful careers and they just made smart choices and yeah. they saved their money so they could, you know, stay in New York and do cool little independent yeah. films. And um, so thank you for putting me on that list. <laughs> and then you're also on this weird list where like, I know you recognize more than anything to this day for The Office probably, just because of the like bizarreness of television and the way, and, and, and more then so Netflix. now than then. Yeah, exactly, right? yeah. which is insane. Yeah. Do you get, like what's the common office interaction? Are you like, are you like your buddy Jennifer Anderson back in the day always asked about a reunion or like, when are you guys getting back together? Do you get that? Are you Holly from The Office? Yeah, you get I get that. that. <laughs> Well, which you, you know, always deny, uh, which you always say, nope. <laughs> you know, they know those guys who stand on the street like, hey, do you have a minute for Save the Children? Do you have this, you know, there's two and they get you coming and going, yes. you know. And uh, I always thank them. I'm like, sorry, I got to go. But the guy was yelling, wait, are you, are you Holly? And I suddenly felt very self-conscious oh, and I didn't no. stop to save the children. <laughs> you know, Holly didn't care about the children. Next on TMZ, but, yeah, exactly. Oscar nominee. Yeah, yeah. But no, honestly, like most people have um, been really uh, sweet and complimentary and they haven't, you know, they haven't chased me down the street. And they're, not, they're not, they didn't ask anything of me other than to say thank you. Yeah, so, like, this is nice I have to receive some that. love, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. At what point during uh, your next collaboration with Steve, Beautiful Boy, did lovely Timmy Chalamet reveal his obsession <laughs> with yeah, you and so Steve? Sweet. He, it was just one day on set, he just kind of like, he just kind of came out of his skin. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe Holly and Michael are my parents. You know, like, <laughs> oh my God. He's so, he's so phenomenal. I know. I, and I, you knew of uh, Timmy watching his scenes in Beautiful Boy, um, Call Me By Your Name, uh, hadn't been released yet. So just him on set and navigating through this material. Yeah. I was like, this kid is phenomenal. Oh my God. He's so good. He's so good. And then I saw call me by your name. I was just, I was like, he's here to stay. <laughs> no, it does feel he like is, one of those, like kind of God. like there are a few in each generation where you're like, Oh, this, yeah. we're going to have great performances yeah, for mm, a while from this one. Yeah. At every stripe. I agree wholeheartedly. And salt of the earth, like nice human being. Yeah. Oh my New God. Yorker. There New you Yorker go. performing art. Oh, LaGuardia. <laughs> Sorry. He's younger than me. <laughs> my saddest moment here was yeah. when he like, we, he also comes from like where around where I grew up and he uh, asked me how old I was as if like we had knew the same people. And I'm like, I'm literally <laughs> twice your age, if not more, buddy. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it must've been a nice, you obviously shot Birdman here. Mm. Um, we rehearsed it in LA. Did you? Yeah. Um, sound, Got the blocking and everything yeah, down there. Stage, like meticulous. Yeah. By inch of your life blocking. And then, yeah, then we shot it here. Did that feel like, oh, this is where like the theater training and all of that kind of kicks yeah, in? Yeah, it did works. a bit. You know, in terms of that, you know, there's no safety net. Yeah. I mean, obviously we, we, we stopped. We, we had to a couple of times if, if something happened, but the idea of everybody being in it together. So yeah. even though, I wasn't in the scene prior of mine, you know, with Zach Galifianakis and Michael, but what I did mattered that we would go back and they'd have to do theirs again right. since it's all connected. So is that, so where you're at right now, where like, so I assume you're, you're taking a, I know you've been kind of like carrying the flag for Lost Girls as you should. Mm -hmm. This one, is it fair to say this is like, an, uh, this is on the short list of ones you're most proud of? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, for so many reasons, I, 
I think the film came out beautifully. I think the story really matters. Like, yeah. end of day, yeah, we're here to entertain, but the story matters. And, um, yeah, it's, it, I am. <laughs> As you should be. Thank are you, are you, would you call yourself, like, an ambitious actor? Like, are you the type that's always like, this was great, but if I had that, that, and that, or I need nah, that. I know? wish, if I, maybe I should be. <laughs> it's working out <laughs> Like, I'm out not fine. on any social media. Like, You're I don't. Not, I know. I can't even, and not for any protest about it. I just like can't even get through like freaking my emails or return, you know. You could be an Instagram star, oh, Amy. Oh, God. I need like a 15 year old to help guide me through it. <laughs> we all do. We really do. <laughs> uh, What's a TikTok? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> As somebody that's worked at MTV uh, for many years, yeah, I feel like the oldest human like... being. Oh, are you kidding me? It's a constant favorite? reminder. Yo, MTV Raps used to be my favorite show. Yeah, let's not go down this road. We're going to sound like we're 95 years old each. (laughs) Um, But what were we talking about? Because my old brain can't remember. Oh, ambition. I mean, I'm ambitious when I really like something. I'm not ambitious for ambitious sake. Like, look at me. Keep me me in people's, you know, mind just so I can stay relevant. Like, I don't know how to do that, quite honestly. I'm too shy to go to, like, many parties and right. and quite frankly like a little too shy to talk about myself in that way yeah. but um this is different when I can talk about lost girls you know right. talk about something I'm a part of but right. um but I you know again I I know that's okay because I the people that I admire I see the way they do it yeah it's okay they it works out exactly yeah. exactly um do you know what you're shooting next? What's the game plan going forward? No, oh, I'm going to do... Um, Liz Garbus is uh, working on a documentary, and I'm oh. going to just do some voice work for her on that. So I'm going to do anything Liz asks. <laughs> yeah, she's But after herself. that, I don't know. I don't know. All right, Amy Ryan, available for hire. Theater, film, <laughs> TV. You haven't, done a, you haven't done a TV series, I think, since, what, Office or In Treatment, like those days? Yeah. Everyone's doing the 10-episode Netflix thing. What's going on, Amy? I gotta find one that's in New York. Yeah, that's it again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll make it happen. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay. Uh, thanks again for your time today. Oh, appreciate thank it. You. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>